Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Well, you if, if this is home to you, uh, first of all, let's, let me just say thank you. For everybody being here today, welcome everybody who's watching us online this morning. Thank you for, for joining us. All of our guests, uh, I look through here, I know I, I keep hate. I don't want to embarrass David, but David is a guest of Ben Pittman. I'm so glad he's here. We're not as strange as we look. We're actually probably stranger than what we act, but David, so glad that you're here with us this morning. He's here for a special reason, I know, and that's because I finished my series last week on um, the next level. I hope you enjoyed it. It was like 12 or 13 sermons in that, and that's probably the longest series I've ever preached. I think God's just got me in a different place spiritually. I really do. Um, just to let you know, we're looking at, at the end of summer, preaching through the book of Acts. Okay? So just let you know what God's laid on my heart. But as I always do when I end a, a series, I like to take a Sunday, give you a break. And so today is your break from me. And in a way, my break from you, I guess you could say, but uh, we have a young uh, couple in our church who are actually ordained ministers as Assembly of God. Right now, they're resting. They're, they're taking a time of rest while God and God has spoken to them about their next God-given assignment, which I'm very excited. Our loss, but the kingdom's gain. And, and so I just reached out to, uh, uh, my goodness, he spent all week at camp. Matter of fact, how many of y'all went to camp this week? Come on. That's all the excitement, y'all. That tired? If you were, if you're a worker that took our kids, children or youth, would you stand up? Thank you, thank you. Some of them, some of them are ministering out there. So, but uh, Ben and Brooke Pittman also served this week at, at a district uh, for the camp, and uh, he graciously and excitingly said, "I would love to. I'm going to be at camp, but I'm going to put my best effort forward." And I know he has, and I've been praying for him this week. But uh, I want you to help me welcome the man of God that the Lord has sent us to minister to us. Brother Ben, come on down, brother. Take your liberty, buddy. Take your liberty. Have fun. Have fun. They're a rough crowd. By yeah. the way, he is not from here. I am not. He's from Southport. Just to let you not know. That's... So, so I don't know if you guys know Anthony tomorrow. He's like, uh, don't, don't let him trick you. He's from Southport. He's got a speech impediment. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure if it's youth camp or, uh, come on now, or that I've got a uh, wasp sting on my finger, but something's a bit off this morning. Right there, right on my fingertip, Pastor Tony. Listen, it's the travail of the Lord. He knew I was preaching and the devil coming at me, wasp stings on my finger. Um... I'm sorry. It's like, okay, so I don't know. Has anyone got anyone in their family that gets giggly when they're tired? Anyone? Um, so I've got a strong filter, right? There are many things that happen in my head that don't make it out of my mouth to the glory of God. Um, yeah. When I get tired, my filter breaks down. So I just... I'm just, I'm just like, I'm trying, I'm just trying to pull it in a little bit here. Um, 
Yeah, so Brooke and I, she's not well this morning, so she like woke up with a pretty solid fever, and so I'm like, oh, come on, babe. She was negative, COVID negative, we good. I'll do this, the whole sermon if you need me to. <laughs> I was talking to someone on a plane, we were flying in, and, uh, and we all had to wear masks on the plane. He was from New England area, and he was griping about it, and I'm like, well, don't worry about it. You're in Florida now. Um, there's no COVID in Florida. <laughs> like, like, everyone gets sick. Like, but we're pretty sure it's unrelated. Like, and it's, okay. Um, it's, it's, I'm, I don't know. Anyway, we're going to read the Bible, I promise you. Um, so what Brooke and I are doing, um, if you look at the history of the church, um, there are two things that go hand in hand, uh, praying and presenting the gospel, okay? Um, and so we believe that the gospel saves, um, and we believe that prayer empowers, okay? When you look at America, and even globally, like what's going on, like the weather's getting crazy. I don't, I don't know if you noticed. That was a good point, apparently. Um, and uh, the, the world is changing. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. When you read the Bible and you kind of dive into the pro- prophecies that the Bible has to say, it might seem crazy, but stuff's starting to make more sense. You're like, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought this 10 years ago, but I'm like, I feel like I read this in the Bible. Like, like that's going on like more and more in my life. And so what Brooke and I are doing is we have committed to join uh, the World Prayer Center in Springfield, Missouri, and we will be training churches on, and it might seem strange to you, on prayer and outreach. This, okay, and why is that important? If I were to do a survey of this church right now, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to embarrass anyone. That's not even the point. It's like, how many of you would feel comfortable leading a prayer meeting right now? People would be like, ooh. Like, how many of you would feel, feel comfortable praying out loud? Oh, like, and it's like, okay, okay. Um, well, let's, let's talk about prayer then. Like, that's, so we're going to be doing that. We're going to be traveling. We're going to t- be teaching people about prayer, but not just that outreach as well. How do I actually share what God's done in my life with other people? Um, How do I share what I'm reading in the Bible with the people around me? Uh, So that's what we're committing to. Uh, We'll have a a prayer center there as well, so people will travel to the prayer center and do that. Honestly, it hasn't even started yet, so I say that, and it could look totally different 12 months from now um, because it's it's at inception point currently. Um, So we'll be joining uh, Joe Oden and Brother Rick DeBose, the uh, assistant superintendent, and Joe is a... Uh, really well, well-received well evangelist that, that travels all over America. So we'll be working with them. Yeah, oh, excellent, excellent. So we're very, very excited to be doing that. Um, for We've been in transition for three years now. So I don't know if you've done transition before from one season to another. Three years is a really long time. Um, so but that is not my sermon this morning. That's just, that's, that's just, we're just getting warmed up. But you guys are used to that. So... Um, uh, so if you are, if you will, if you will, to open your Bibles, going to go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 14, I said 14, I mean 4, verse 14, 
Uh, John chapter 4, verse 14. 13. Let's read 13 as well. Um, John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Give you just a moment. All right, and this is what it says. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give, give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. All right, that's what we're, that's what we're talking about this morning. Let's say a quick word of prayer and present this morning to the Lord. Uh, Jesus, you're good. And all you do is good. And so this morning we present ourselves to you that you would teach us from your word, uh, that we would enjoy uh, the goodness that it presents. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so here you can slip back to the first slide back there, the wellspring of life. Okay, wellspring is one of those words that I grew up with. Um, you're like, what is a wellspring? Headwaters, okay, the top of the river. Where's the river come from? That's what we're talking about. All right, all right, there we, there we go. Um, and so, uh, do you guys like history? Doesn't matter. We're going to do it anyway. All right. <laughs> all right, so who's heard of David Livingston? Okay, so David Livingston was famous for two things. All right, so about 1850s, 40s, 50s, that's when he was doing his thing. Uh, he was the most famous African explorer of his era, okay, and he was in the southern part of Africa. Um, as a young boy, he was born into extreme poverty. At seven and eight years old, he was working at the factory, sun up to sundown, um, and in that time, taught himself Latin, Greek, and Hebrew before the age of thirteen. Right, <laughs> for real. I'm like, oh man, we don't even know English yet, guys. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but, but, but he believed he was called, and so um, uh, he joined a missionary, a London missionary society, traveled out to Africa, and was torn up by the slave trade. Okay, so I don't know if you know this, but right at the beginning of the 1800s, uh, slavery was illegalized in England. And a man named William Wilberforce shut down the slave trade out of East Africa. Okay, he shut it down. The, the, there was a passage from East Africa uh, to the Caribbean. And that is, that is the main route. That is where every, all of the would-be slaves would die. It's called the Middle Passage. They would all die on the Middle Passage, traveling from Africa to the Caribbean. William Wilberforce and his people in, in Parliament shut that, illegalized that trade route which in turn stopped the slave trade out of Africa. What it did though, is it moved west to the west part of Africa out of Zanzibar, okay, an island off of West Africa. And so the slave trade re-erupted from there. And so um, what Livingston did is he petitioned and petitioned until he shut it down and he worked with the kings in Africa to shut down the slave trade out of West Africa. So, he was, so that's the thing he was famous for. The other thing is that he was an, a remarkable explorer. Every, all the white people he brought on his team uh, um, hated him. He was too hard. 
to aggressive, to opinionated. Uh, and the dude fought lions, malaria. Like, he was, he was a wild man. The Africans loved him. All right, like, uh, uh, that's, that's a good missionary right there. Uh, like, he doesn't do so good back in England. Uh, he burned all his bridges in England, but it didn't matter. He lived off the land. Dude was a wild man. If you can read about him, his story is so interesting. There are a bunch of really good biographies about him because he is so famous. Um, so about 50 years after it was shut down off the East Coast, Livingston shut it down off the West Coast. Um, so he started his career as a missionary, but then got so sick of the politics of missionaries that he kind of threw the juices and joined uh, the Royal Geographic Society. And he's like, I'm just going to be an explorer. I'm going to do missions work anyway, but I'm going to be an explorer. So he did. And what was he trying to do? So he found the river, uh, uh, oh my goodness, uh, the, the Zambezi River. Uh, and he was like, where does this thing start? Because this is an, a mighty river. Now, you've got to remember, he was, he was living in England, right? Ain't no mighty rivers going on in England, okay? Um, it's like, I'm from Australia. We don't have no rivers. I just promise you right now, we got deserts. We got deserts. That's what we got in Australia. It's just, it's like two-thirds desert in Australia. It's, in England, it's just no big rivers. But he found this Zambezi River. He's like, where do these waters come from? Why? It's bringing life. All this life is magnificent. If I'm if this much life flows all the way down the banks of this river, bringing, bringing life and, and fruitfulness everywhere it goes, I got to know where it comes from. So he made it his life's journey to track this thing. And this is what he found. There was no bridge when he found it. Um, but this is Victoria Falls. This was his crowning work it was called, uh, in one of the tribes that lived locally, it was called uh, the smoke that thunders. That was what it was known as, the smoke that thunders. Can you imagine coming upon this for the first time? I mean, just the awe, like there's no paths, there's, there's no history, like you hear it in the distance and you come upon upon the, the Victoria Falls. And I mean, there are so many shots I could have shared with you guys, but this is one I picked, it's whatever. It is stunning. It is stunning when you, when you see the pictures of it. Um, it like, and this became the, the crowning moment of his exploration. If you go through the ancient world, every great civilization was started on a river. Every single one. Like, okay, the Egyptians, the Nile, uh, all, through, all through the Amazon. Uh, you've got ancient civilizations going on. Bottom line, you don't have a civilization without fresh water. This <laughs> is what it is. Um, and so when you read in the Bible, you've probably heard the words like living water. Yeah? That just means fresh water. Right? That's all that means. Um, it's, it's, real, it's just like you can't be alive unless you've got fresh water. Okay, so they called it living water. It's a, a, if a river got still, it was dead. Right, it's now stagnant. If it's moving, it's, it's alive. Okay, you can, you can drink it. Okay, it's, it's, it's good to go. It is living water. And so all through Scripture, water becomes a, a symbol for life. 
right? So when you read water in the scripture, you're like you're thinking life. That's, that's what you see. It's, it's a constant symbol that comes on. And in the Gospel of John, especially, like John, like he's a big fan. He must have like cherry-picked all of Jesus' teachings on water because like, he, he can't help himself. Uh, whether you're reading 1 John or John's Gospel or the book of Revelation, we got water all up in there. And it's all about life. And wherever the water flows, it brings life. The Garden of Eden, if you read it, the Garden of Eden lived on, was, on, was on four rivers, right? You book, read the book of Genesis, it's sitting on four rivers. Israel, the Jordan River, prophecy of Ezekiel. There's a river coming out of the, of the bottom of the temple that brings life. Then you go to the final book of Revelation and you got the river coming out of the throne room of God that brings healing to the nations. All right, so, so this seems like it's a big, big deal. You can go to the next scripture. And this is, what, this is the scripture that we read already this morning. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The river, the life source that is offered in Scripture does not emerge from outside of you. The river of life that God is offering you does not come from your thoughts, does not come from good company, does not come from hard work. The river of life that God offers you comes from Christ and Christ alone. So like David Livingston, looking for the headwater, you have probably encountered things that felt like life throughout your existence. Good things. And there are many sources of water that we can access in life. Think about this in Psalm 87, the sons of Korah saying, then we sing this song, all my fountains are in you. What are they saying? The source of my life is God. This, this can be a difficult thing to understand. And usually I like to like hold my cards close to my chest as I'm preaching. And like you got like this like boom, drop the mic moment. Um, but I'm just going to lay it out here right now. To me, it seems like you've got two, two options. Um, it seems to me like we've got two options. We receive life from the good things we enjoy. So pursue good things to live a fulfilled life. Meaning and purpose then would be found in good things. That's, that's option number one. Option number two, we receive life from God and he leads us into good things that we can enjoy. Meaning and purpose is found in God. Okay, let me, let me translate that again. I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to say the exact same things in different ways so that you grasp this because this is the nuts and bolts of what I'm trying to say. Translation, point number one. Life is meant to be good, so go and get all the good out of it you can. Raise a good family, make good, honest money, enjoy good friends, learn what you can, make a difference, leave your mark. Okay, that's option number one. That's like normal. That's like everyone I know. That's what they're doing. Okay, this is option number two. This reads more like the Bible. Just, just so you know, I'm crystal clear which side I'm on here. Um, you cannot even define good without God. If you will invite him to define good for you and govern your life, he will lead you down a path of all the good things that life has to offer at the right time, at the right cost. Let me rephrase again. All right. Sin, 
let me define sin this way. It's just everything that God's not in. It's just, just like if God's not in it, it's probably, okay, sin just means falling short of the mark. It's like an archer, like boom, you didn't hit the bullseye. That's it. Like, so it's called missing the mark. If, if, you look, if you look at the original Hebrew of the word sin, the, the imagery is missing the mark. All right, so if, if it ain't perfect, it's not God. Okay, because he has a perfect representation of whatever thing that is. And so we live in a fallen world that is absolutely immersed in falling short. Okay, it's, it's, you and I, like, we are absolutely immersed in falling short. All of the good things that we offer could not compare to the actual life that God has. Um, so let, let, sin promises more than it delivers. It charges more than you want to pay and leaves you indebted longer and deeper than you ever dreamed. Family, okay, so let's, let's run through what the good things are. Family, good, right? Some of us, I mean, like, I am all about family. Like, I love my girls, I love my wife, I love my parents, my brothers, my sister. I even love my in-laws. Like, family's good. But family done wrong brings the deepest wounds you can imagine. So if I put my hope in the wrong place, it will scar me bad. Family is not enough to sustain you. Huh. Money, very useful. I'm a fan, personally. I like money. It's liberating, right? I mean, look at the people without money. And look at the people with money. You can do more with more money. It's good. But money does not make a good master. In fact, you don't even have to have a lot of it to be mastered by it. No, I've seen a lot of bad, bad stuff done for money. Right? Honesty, greed, covetousness, gossip. Like, if you're forsaking what is actually valuable for money, you are not living your best life now. Right? Like, money is not big enough to sustain you. The pursuit of money will not bring you life. Just as much as the pursuit of family won't bring you life. It's good. It's not enough. So, uh, First John tells us there are three things that this world offers and kind of entices us with. Um, and if you heard me preaching, I mean, this is one of my key, key verses. It's like, there, all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life. Translation, all the world will offer is good stuff to look at, good stuff to enjoy, and offer you to be the guy. Like, um, and it just don't work out. Um, you find stuff to look at, it won't be enough. You find stuff to enjoy, it won't be enough. You climb to the top of the ladder, you find out that it was leaning on the wrong wall. Like, it's, like, it's, life is not working out for so many people the way we thought it would. Um, God intended so much for us. Um, but life does not flow from good things. 
life flows into good things. The good things that we are called to enjoy are not the purpose we have. We're not altogether different from Livingston. Sure, we're not uh, fighting lions in malaria. Um, we're not learning new languages, but we are driven by discovery. We are driven by wonder, awe. Look at a kid, right? Why are kids so fun? Because they have aha moments all the time. Um, why do elementary school teachers do it? A, I actually don't know. Um, um, but they don't know. I'm t- I, when I, I, was, I was a sub-teacher in Australia for a little bit and they put me in the preschool for two days. I was in K through 12 school. And, and I, uh, after those two days, I said, I will do whatever you tell me to. I enjoy working for this school. Never do that to me again. <laughs> I will do whatever you tell me to do, but please never do that to me ever again. Um, and <laughs> but but it's, it's those discovery moments, right? Why is being a dad so fun or being a mom so fun or auntie, grandparent? It's those moments, right? We are born for discovery. Problem is, guys, we're... we're we're discovering all the wrong things. Um, you look upstream and you're like, where's this come from? Instead of settling on the bank and being like, I'm going to eat the fruit of this tree. That's cool. That's good. It's not enough. We're meant to go up the river and find out where it's all coming from. That's what we're meant to be doing with the life that we've been offered. So could it be that we have actually been aiming at the wrong thing all this time? For some of us, literally our whole life, we have been aiming at the wrong thing. We've been sitting on the bank, kind of wondering what's upstream, but never really caring enough to go and get it. And wondering why we're feeling so dissatisfied. Um, when we look at Jesus' interaction here with the Samaritan woman, I actually think that we get some pretty good answers. Um, and so uh, we're going to read through the story, the Good Samaritan, oh, Good Samaritan, the Samaritan woman her interaction with Jesus in John chapter 4, um, and, uh, and we're going to jump through it. So the first thing we're going to see uh, here is that life reflects spiritual reality. Life reflects spiritual reality. It seems to me that the spiritual unseen world around us is not just real. There's not just an unseen world that's, that's real. Actually, this, the unseen world is the source of the world that we have. It's more real. Um, Jesus takes something as simple as and necessary as thirst, like needing a drink, to describe the deepest, most, uh, deepest need and most clear spiritual reality we have. Okay, so let's go, let's go to John chapter 4, uh, and we are going to start in verse 1. Yes, we are. We're going to start in verse 1. And this is what it says... You can go to the next slide. That way we can have it on the screen. Good deal. All right, here's what it says. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing, sorry, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus, Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well at about the sixth hour. Pause, 
Um, so Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, no one went through Samaria. Okay, I don't, I don't want to make light of like a, a pretty, pretty harmful topic, but in a lot of cities, if you're white, there's places you don't go. If you're black, there's places you don't go. If you're Hispanic, there's places you don't go. If you're Asian, there's places you don't go. It's unfortunate and it's wrong, but it is the world we live in. All right, there, you, there are times and places that you do not go if you look a certain way. Why? Because people are racist. That's why. Um, and, and Jesus did it. As we did. He was a Jew going up in Samaria. And we got, we, keep, keep reading. Keep reading. It, it's, it's funny. It's funny. If you, if you read this story with attitude, it, it's actually a pretty funny story. Okay. So a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. I'm sure there's a cultural understanding here. Um, I ain't never tried that before. Just once, once. I was married to her, it still didn't work. Oh, all right. Uh, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, is asking a, for, me, uh, for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Oh, you catch it? In the wrong part of town. Right? Like, that is the expectation. All right? Um, and, and he's like, and Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Um, he, he planned this. He planned this. There's, he's got something going on here. Um, and the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us well this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Pause, rephrase. Bro, you ain't even got a bucket. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> that's what she just said to him. Um, and, uh, and he said, everyone, it's like Jesus isn't even like paying attention to the, th to the words she's saying. That's what it's like. Read what he says next. Everyone who drinks of this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Pause, rephrase. I can actually, you know, I'm a high school teacher. Some students roll their eyes. Some students roll their eyes with their entire body. Um, that is what I imagine happened in this moment. She's... Man, if you're going to give me the Bobby Boucher high-quality uh, H2O, go ahead and give it to me why, uh, now. Otherwise, get out of my way. Let me get on with my day. Let me get my bucket. It's hot. I don't want to do this stupid job again. So if you got some of that Bobby Boucher water, I don't know if any of you have seen the, the water boy. That is some high-quality H2O. But that's what he's offering here. Um, and for those who don't know, just keep moving, all right? Just keep moving with me. Um, She's like, I'd love to never draw water from this well again. 
Ain't nobody giving water that can't make you thirsty again. That's not a thing. Look, this woman is thinking well water. Jesus knows she thinks well water. He's not dumb. Like, so sometimes when you watch these Jesus movies, it's like, woman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I offer you water, though, that will well up to eternal life. And she's like, well, Lord, give me this water. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, you better give me that water so I don't have to come up to this stupid well again. Otherwise, keep moving, man. She didn't believe him. Ain't nobody giving water that bubbles up inside and keeps the spring going so I'm never thirsty. That's crazy talk. And Jesus knew it was crazy talk, right? He's, he, he's playing her like a guitar. He knows what's going on. But he's going somewhere. He's going somewhere. Because the physical world that we live in has a spiritual reality that is greater. Sure, we're thirsty, but there is, there is a thirst that is on the inside of you and I that is way bigger than thirst for water. And thirst for water is pretty important, right? And, and so C.S. Lewis said it this way, like, you want proof for God? Like, when you're hungry, it's proof that you need food. When you're thirsty, is proof that you need water, but what is it when you long for a spiritual reality? Is it not proof that there is something greater and unseen that we are born to hunger? Right? That's right. It's good. I appreciate this, Lewis. Um, this is what Jesus is referencing here. Sure, we have a, we have a physical thirst. Jesus, Jesus is highlighting here. Seek out the seek out the headwater. Seek out the wellspring. But until she comes to, like, she ain't even going to talk with him. But he's saying, find the flow. There's something majestic. There's a majestic headwater that you just haven't seen yet. So point number one, there's a, there's a spiritual reality that every physical reality points to. Point number two that Jesus is going to highlight here, the spiritual realities that we face can sustain physical life. Now, this is a stretch. I'm not going to lie. I get it. Okay. You're telling me that there are things that we don't see that will sustain my body. Yes. Yes, I am. All right. Not only is there a spiritual reality um, but we actually sense it. You, we do. Okay, people all over the world, they seek religion, right? Even angry atheists compel us to ditch religion. Why? There's no God, just chill. Like, why are you so hostile? Like, like Joseph Stalin, last thing he did before he died was shake his fist at the heaven. Why? Like you spend your life like saying there's no God. Like, 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 like this, it doesn't make sense to me. Like we, we know, the, and this is how I see it. So the Bible says that God is as close as the words on our mouth. As in, he's not 
far away as if like if I found a like Star Trek ship that was like good enough, I could finally get to God. Right? It'd be like just light speed it until I get to him. But that's we all know that's not how it is. Like if I go far up enough, like, oh we'll finally get to God. No, it's not like that. It's like there is a veil between this reality and the other reality. And then there are moments where the veil gets thin and you can like see through it a little bit. Or there are moments where there, are, where there is actually like a, a room where heaven and earth meet. So the temple, okay, the temple in the Old Testament was meant to be one of those rooms. Uh, the tabernacle that, that God instructed Moses to build in the wilderness, Christ himself was one of those places where heaven and earth met. In fact, the church, your body is a place, according to scripture, where heaven and earth meet. And we have been placed here to change the world. So that's, that's what it is. So um, we, we creep between the veil of heaven and earth, bringing life to this earth. Stewards, if you will, of the world that you and I live in. Um, and that, that is the world that we live in. So let, let, let's go to the scripture and see, see how Jesus breaks it down. Um, so Jesus said, oh, you can put on the next one. Yeah, so Jesus said to her, go, call your husband, come here. Woman answered, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying you don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. The one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. Woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that Jerusalem is the place that we ought to worship. Okay. So teenagers, help me out for a second. Do you still say someone is thirsty when, when they can't handle being single? A little bit? A little bit. Okay, so, like, so if you'll be like, oh man, he's thirsty, or like, she's thirsty. Like, okay? Okay, like, is that, is, a little bit, a little bit, okay. Um, so that was like just after me. Um, so it was the thing like just after I got out of high school. Um, there are many reasons that someone, someone is thirsty. I mean, in the, just dying the room, in a sexual way, right? Like the, 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 there are many reasons. Um, money, power, uh, sex, like that's one of the reasons that people do it. Influence, think of Solomon, um, habit, you just always did. Um, you know, like there, there, are, there are lots of reasons. And this woman, for whatever reason, had gone through five husbands. Now in her time, that was probably because they kept divorcing her. Because woman didn't have any right to divorce her husband in those days. So she, she, was, she kept getting divorced. So she hung up the phone. She's, she's moved in with this guy. She's like, I'm done. I'm done with marriage. She wanted a man. She needed a man. Um, but she did not anymore need marriage. <laughs> sir, whenever it says sir, I, I sense sarcasm. I, I don't know if I'm reading it wrong, but with sir, I perceive you're a prophet. All right, brother, so you're a prophet. I get it. Almost like she's ready to be judged now because that is her experience of the church. Right? Uh, holy man, right, five husbands, 
sweet, God, strike me dead. Like, like, I mean, she's done. She is done with life. She has been chewed up and spat out. She has been offered promises and none of them have come true. Like, I mean, we got a Mickey Mouse generation now. Like, shoot for the stars. Maybe you'll get the moon. You can be anything you want to be. As it turns out, we can't. And life is hostile. And this world was bred to destroy us. <laughs> and we're wondering why people are like running back to mom and dad with their tails between their legs. Because the world was nothing like what they expected. And they were not prepared for the hostility that this world is. So this is, so she hits this moment where she realizes that Jesus is a prophet. So what does she do? Throws the hardest question at him that she can imagine. Where do we do worship? Okay, so can you, you finally get to sit down with somebody that knows their stuff spiritually. What do you ask him? You can ask him anything. Imagine that you had Jesus in the presence right now. You could ask him any question. Are we really foreordained? Why do men have nipples? <laughs> like, like, it, like, did Adam have a belly button? Yeah. And, and it's like, like, and, and then, like, I don't know if she was like, or, like awestruck or dumbstruck or, or whether she was trying to scoot out of the spotlight. It's actually what I think was going on. She was like, rum, rum, I don't like being in the spotlight, but if you could tell me where we're meant to go to church, um, I think that's what was going on here. Um, see if we can sidetrack the man of God with a useless question. I think that's what's going on. So let's see what Jesus does with said sidetrack. Um, <laughs> Jesus said to a woman, pause. Uh, I don't think this was actually disrespectful. I think it's just the vernacular of the day. Don't try this. Like, don't try it on your mom. Don't try it on your sister. Don't try it on anyone. Okay? Um, I'll go and ask for a show of hands who tried it one time. Negative. <laughs> Negative. Don't do it. Don't, put your hand down. Put your hand down. Uh, yeah, okay. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. He's like, it don't matter. It's irrelevant. Like that, that is not an important question. Um, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You've been on the outside, but very soon you won't be on the outside anymore. It's true. You guys worship in the wrong place but I don't care. Like, we, we've got a brand new thing starting. It's like she, he put her back in the limelight and said, you're allowed to be part of it. He completely glossed over. He's like, I mean, they don't, they don't even know that, they, that she's got five husbands anymore. That's not even in the, in the conversation. Jesus glossed it. He hasn't even brought it up again. Like, he is good to go. Now, why was she at the well? She getting water. Real simple, physical thirst. I mean, it's, it's super simple. And then he says, for the Father is seeking people to worship him. It's like, the Jews didn't get it. So where else can we go? Um, God is spirit. 
And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us, such, uh, um, he'll tell us all things. Um, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Um, so she was looking, she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard Messiah, when he comes, he's going to say stuff like what you're saying right now. Um, I think actually that he's going to sound a lot like this. He's like, uh-huh. Yes, he will. Jesus is offering something greater than this woman ever imagined. She had an expectation of life being this big. And Jesus is like, no, 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 it's full size. Just listen to what I'm saying. See, when we latch on to God, not only does it become a, 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 like living water on the inside of us to sustain us, it actually supplies what we need for life. So is there any way of having life without a great change? Turning around. Humility. She has come face to face um, with the first piece of religious knowledge that is of any use to her. See, we, what's going on right now, Roe v. Wade, who's not part of my sermon, can't tell you that that will be a blockade to what God is actually doing. If you used it, it's just not a piece of weaponry. It's just like, and you know what? This won't change America. What was it, nine people in a room no they don't change America they might change the law America will be just what it was right before it physical things don't create spiritual things but spiritual things do create physical things and, and so so if you were like what are the weapons of our warfare I'll tell you what they are they are truth they are love they are peace they are joy that is the weapons of your welfare if you don't have them you will burn people up and you will torch people in the name of Jesus and they will hate him. Man, I'm, I'm just like, I'm going to be honest with you. This affected me very little. This has affected me very little. I feel, I feel for people. There are people marching in this. I feel for them. Um, I do. Uh, and this, it's, it's not going to be easier now. It's not going to be harder now. The exact same doors are open now as they were before. You either share the life you've been given or you don't. Laws can't restrict that. I mean, it might be illegal, but I mean, you can't do it. Like love, you can keep loving people. Um, joy, have at it. Like, like let's go. Like the weapons of our warfare have not changed. Um, in fact, maybe they've just become more important so that I can actually represent Christ in this world. That if he has changed my life, there is something worth sharing. Last point here, life flows out of a relationship and encounter with Christ. So I find the headwater when I actually find Christ. Um, five really good questions that are insufficient for life change. At best, these questions, when asked alone, will leave you dissatisfied and splintered. 
Jesus, I give you my friends. Good, not enough. Jesus, take my desires. Excellent, not enough. Jesus, take my mind. Good. Jesus, take my purpose. Also good. Jesus, help me control myself. Good. Jesus, take my school or, or, or work. Each one of those questions, when asked alone, will only leave you splintered. Think of it this, okay. I go and minister in jail sometimes. This is very relevant. Because um, you go to the faith-based dorm. What can I tell you about the faith-based dorm? Whatever they got, ain't working. Just think about it. They're in jail and they're Christians. It's not working. Okay. So I asked them this question. I'm like, so let's just say, for simplicity's sake, that life is broken up into three fields. Um, what I think, what I feel, what I do. Right? What I think, feel, do. It can get more complex than that, but for the moment, let's just keep it there. What I think, what I feel, what I do. So when I think uh, is Godward, what I do is Godward, but what I feel, I don't have any desire. What I think and what I do is going, is going on a lag real quick. Right? Does that make sense? It's going to dissipate. Okay, so I can, I can do something that I don't want to do for that long. Before I'm like throwing in the towel, being like, juices to this. Man, so you go to church for like three weeks. You're like, I really don't want to be here. Well, when you're a grown person, you can stop going. And you do, right? It's not rocket science, okay? So the person, the person that does not want to go but keeps going is called an actor or a hypocrite. That's, that's the word in Greek for actor, hypocrite, okay? If you don't want to do it but you keep doing it, you can get real judgy, okay? Okay, what about for the person that feels like it and does it but doesn't know nothing. They're called the crazy one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, they in church and everyone's like, oh man, I brought a friend to church today, but so-and-so's here. <laughs> oh, right, 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 okay, okay. It, it, it can't stand alone. It can't stand alone. We, we, we're meant to grow here. If you don't, you'll be stupid. That is what you will be, okay? I don't know if I'm allowed to say these words. Am I allowed to say? My daughter, she's four. I'm not allowed to say stupid. She asked me the other day, actually when I got a wasting, I went, ah, stupid. She's like, daddy, is stupid a bad word? I'm like, it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> it's, it's hot. Um, and, and so, uh, and so then, then lastly, the person that, the person that knows it and feels it, but won't do it. Useless. Useless. As though God doesn't have a purpose in this world. Just wants us to come to church and sing Kumbaya. Like, he didn't have a purpose when he died on a cross. That he wasn't an actual revolutionary. No, no, he was, he was changing things. He was rocking the cosmos. 
and he's, and he's doing it in us. We are the temples of God. We were created as the bridge between heaven and earth. And if God resides in you, you are a world changer. That was why he died on a cross. That's why, they allow, why, the, why, the, why God himself allowed nails through his hands and feet. Why as the supreme commander of everything, he permitted people, his creation, to strip him naked and put a crown of thorns on his head. It wasn't so we could come together, sing Kumbaya and overturn Roe v. Wade. That is not what we were saved for. Do you know what Roe v. Wade does not affect? Africa. No one in Africa cares that we toppled a ruling. You know what else? The whole world. The whole, the whole rest of the world is unaffected. Do you know who else is unaffected? Born people. Like this is, this is so minuscule on God's scale. Do you know who is affected though? Your neighbour who does not know they are loved. Do you know who is affected? The people that are miserable and depressed and do not know that the source of joy, the headwater is just a little bit up that stream from their solid paycheck that they've been earning. They're like, I've got this good thing, but it's not enough. You're right, it's not enough. But God's for you having financial stability. Go upstream. He's at the headwater. His name is Jesus. That's what this thing is. Life flows from an encounter with God. It does not flow from the good things that you have. I love the good things that you have. I love your family. I love your solid paycheck. I love that you've got a house in a safe neighborhood. I love animals and discovering nature and stuff. This is so good. It's not enough. But when you find a good thing, look upstream because it flows from Christ because he created good things. And so here's where we end. Let's read this last scripture. Just then, his disciples came back. They'd been getting food, if you remember. And they marveled that he was talking with a woman. It's funny. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? <laughs> what is he doing? Okay, that's the translation. Okay. Um, so the woman left her water jar. That's interesting. Why was she at the well? Mm. could probably preach that. <laughs> and she went into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He told her one thing. That's it. That's weird. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. We are so content with the scraps from the world's table when life, peace, joy, love, truth, they are able to fulfill you and they are able to give you endurance in this hostile world that you and I live in. There is a flow from the Spirit of God 
that hits your heart if you'll allow it and will flow into the world around you. If you'll allow it. See, she, there, is a, there is a spiritual reality that feeds our physical existence. See, she came for water, but left with a spring of living water welling up within her and overflowing. How do you know? Because the people, why, why was she collecting water in the middle of the day by herself? She was an outcast. That's why. But what is she doing? A spiritual reality has changed her physical existence. The isolated outcast became a herald in the streets. You don't do that unless something's changed on the inside. You can't take a shy kid and all of a sudden get him pumped about speaking to a crowd. They will remain a shy kid unless, until something changes on the inside. It's just what it is. Okay? You can't take someone that is ashamed of their very existence and get them to go hang out with all the people that have shamed her unless something changes on the inside. And it seems like something changed on the inside. Something that was dead came alive. And Ben, you can come up so that we can, we can wrap this thing up. This is what is available to us today. Life. Good life. Life that you can be proud of. That is available to you today. Purpose. Fulfilling purpose. What you were made to do is on the table today. Life does not flow from the good things that you and I enjoy. Life flows into the good things that you and I enjoy. It is, it is the substance of what God has been offering all along. Here is, the, here is the thing though. As long as you seek these things, you will be left unsatisfied. If you enjoy these things, you will be satisfied. God created food to be enjoyed. God created relationships to be enjoyable. God created sunsets. God created the sounds of the waves and the rivers. God created the intricacies of culture. And he called them beautiful. But they are not purposeful. They do not deliver us the purpose for which we were created. So I think we find ourselves in a similar place to, um, to Livingston. If he found a small little tide pool that was flowing into the Zambezi, do you think he would have dropped to his knees weeping, being like, I found it, I found the headwaters. That's crazy. No, he would have been like, that's interesting, and kept moving. Saw a little fish in there, he's like, oh, that's enjoyable. And he would have kept moving. This is what you need to do with the good things that you enjoy. Be like, that was enjoyable. Keep moving. Go find the headwater. Go find the source of the life that you have. Like, don't, don't get content with good things. Like, go get the source. Go, go find the source of all life. Okay, um, financial security, excellent. It's not the headwater. 
Healthy relationships, excellent, not the headwater. Good times, excellent, not the headwater. Romance, good times, not the headwater. Bromance, I don't know what you call it with ladies, but we, bromance, good, not the headwater, right? Science and nature, personal health, eternal life in Christ. Where you go when you die is not the headwater. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that you would know God and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. That's eternal life. Life in Christ. That is eternal life. This is what I want you to do. Um, is I just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes for a second. I just want you to take quick inventory of the good things you have and ask yourself this question. Have I been seeking these things? Have they been the source of my existence? Just take quick stock. and just say thank you to Jesus for those things. Thank you. Just say thank you to God for those things. Just go through them one at a time. You don't even have to say it out loud. God, thank you for my family and the health that we have. Lord, thank you for my body's health. Lord, just go through it. Just go through it. Just go through the list and just thank God for it. They're not purposeful, but they are meant to be enjoyed. and the team leaders just just stay in that position of, of prayer for just a second um, allowing those things to just kind of permeate and start to challenge your mind where you sit um, to seek that headwater to seek the, the source of all life for yourself just, just in that position of prayer as they lead us in this one song The creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry. Then from north to south and east to west, we hear Christ be magnified. the whole earth echoing his imminence his name would burst from sea and sky from rivers to the mountain tops we'd hear Christ be magnified
So here's my question. What is stopping you from um, searching out the wellspring? What is, what is stopping you? Jesus described it this way when He came on the scene preaching. He said, repent and believe the gospel. Um, this is an overhaul. This is an 100% an overhaul. What I'm talking about is there is one way that is normal and then there is Jesus' way. It is completely antithetical to the, the way that the world operates. It is completely antithetical to our natural state, I would even say. That we seek out these things that we enjoy, that, that we enjoy, and they actually overtake us to the point that they end up costing us our soul. Um, maybe you've never sought out Jesus ever. Maybe you've never sought out Jesus ever that you've never done that thing where you, you do the overhaul. You completely change your approach to life. Today's a good day for it. Maybe you have, but you realize this out of whack. Something has overtaken your pursuit of Jesus. Um, and let me just say, I get it. Me too. Like this preaches because it preaches to me. Like, I get it. Like, this is real to me because I live here. Like, this is a constant, this is a daily occurrence for me. Um, like, you don't think I love financial security to the point that I might pursue it sometimes? Of course I do. I don't over-prioritize my family to the point of like, oh man, like, this is throwing my life's balance off because I have over-prioritized my family or work, or whatever it may be. But Christ will balance those things for you. When you put Him first, He brings those things into alignment. Not, not what He wants you to do, literally just a relationship with Him. Prayer, the Word, the, the turning over of your heart daily to Him. Like you just, you just churn it over. It's not that you need to get saved every day. It's just a relationship. Like if I didn't talk to my wife for a week, there'd be stuff that we'd want to like go back over to get back on the same page. Okay? It's the same thing. Same thing. God just wants to be on the same page with you. It's, it's the relationship He desires. So let's just do this. They're going to they're gonna, uh, sing just, just a little bit more. Just stand up. And you can, you can stay in your seats if you really need to and do business with God. But there is something amazing about, about the, 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 these benches down the front. We, we call them the altars. That when you come down here, there is, I, don't know, I don't know what it is about it, Pastor Tony, but it's just good. It's just good. Um, I've done a lot of business at these benches. Not these ones especially, but they might as well have been. If you need to do business with God, I, I invite you to come down the front here. Um, if, if, you, uh, if you have never given your life to the Lord, just never done it, today's a good day for it. Today is a good day for it. And the prayer is something simple like this, God, I've done it too, too long my own way. I want to do it your way. Forgive me, lead me. It's really that simple. Um, man, you could pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, make your name holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day um, my daily bread. Lead me not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Let me forgive others as you have forgiven me. 
for yours is the kingdom power and the glory forever. Amen. That was probably out of order, but it don't matter. He will receive your prayer. You know, it's not a magic formula. He will receive your prayer. He's a good God. He loves you. Um, so let's just do this. Let's sing Christ. Christ be magnified. Let's go. Come forward if you need to. again and I want you to block out everybody else in the room use your imagination if you have to visualize Christ standing right in front of you and you're having that personal conversation make it personal this morning I know I am I have 
Thank you, Pastor, for challenging even me today. Because I've made the mistake thinking when it comes to ministry, success in ministry, you know, health is not my goal. A large church is not my goal. Those are benefits. Does that make sense? I don't seek physical health. I don't, I seek the wellhead. And the benefit of finding the wellhead is the fact that everything else falls in place. I want Christ to be glorified in me. I want him to glorify himself in me so therefore my life becomes glorifying his Father, which is his purpose. Amen. Let's, let's sing the chorus. Let's sing the chorus. Just make it personal right now. Sing What I love about that idea of the headwater, the source, as it flows and he's glorified in us and there's a refreshing within our spirit. He, he said it, and I'm just going to reiterate it. I'm going to put it in my, I'm going to rephrase it. When that river flows from us, then we become the source of life for others. He, I hope you guys caught that. I mean, it's pretty plain, but I want to make sure you understand that. We seek the source. The benefits of everything comes from Him. And really, the world should look at us as believers and say, What's, why is it different from you? They should. Why is it different from you? Why aren't you acting like the world? Or why aren't you? And they should wonder because of God's blessings. Not that you're seeking the blessings. You're seeking the source. But then from there, what a testimony. As, that, as we glorify God through our actions, our lives, and He blesses us then we're a blessing to others. We lead others to the source. Disciples didn't get that. He would correct them. He would show them. And that's what it is for us. God, be glorified in me as I glorify you. My life. May my life be a billboard, a commercial for those who are around me who don't know the source but are seeking the things that come from the source so they know where it comes from. Help me, Father. Amen. Amen. That's it. That's it. That's life. And then God blesses as we seek you. So the challenge is, is this. I'm about to pray, let you go. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be that preacher who preaches after someone preaches. I'm trying not to be. But the Spirit has spoken twice. And it's interesting that I started off with Roe v. Wade being light and salt. We've got to do that.
we have to seek the source. Because if we try to give out of our abilities, we try to give out of our love, it ain't going to happen. This is going to happen. It's got to be through him. He's the source. He's the source. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word that you've given us, the messenger, the angel, God, that you've sent us today. He's spoken truth, God. And may we all evaluate what we're seeking. May we all evaluate, Lord, do we give you the glory? Do we give you the credit? Is it you that we're seeking, Father, or is it just the handouts? God, help us to seek you, because, Lord, I know, Father, that if you're the source, if I'm seeking you, and I'm and, and you're, you're, that living water is welling up within me and flowing out of me, it won't matter what my circumstances are. I still have that joy. I still have that love. I still have that peace. Lord, may we all evaluate our lives, our situations. Are we, are, we, are we tossed to and fro like on an angry sea? Lord, are we anchored and grounded in you? God, I pray that we're grounded in you. I pray, Lord, that you are the source. God, I pray that we, we're seeking the headwater. We're seeking Christ every day in everything we do and how we do life. Because naturally the things will flow from there. And God, I pray, Lord, that out of that, Lord, is how we look at the world. Not through a political leaning. God, not, not, not from any other filter other than the word of God, your word, Lord, that you gave us, Lord. May we look at the world around us through that filter. And God, as we plugged into that source and your, your river flows out of us, God, that we can now extend love and joy and peace to those around us. And lead them to the headwater will there thirst no more. Those things will no longer be part of our desires, our drive, our focus, nor will it be theirs. Jesus, you will be. And Lord, I pray that, God, that my life, everything about it says I focus on you. I'm focused on you. I'm seeking you in everything. Just to, just to, to once again drink of that refreshing water that flows from the head water. Thank you, Father. And Lord, as we close out this time of meeting together, Lord, just pray, God, that you go with us this week and you bless us, God, and keep us, Lord. Lord, may we be reminded of who we are because of who you are. And based on who you are in us, Lord, may we live our lives as though you live in us. May we guard our words. May we guard our hearts, which is the wellspring of life. Father, your word tells us that. May we guard and be careful what we let in. May we not contaminate the water source, God. And may we walk in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit as you open doors for us to step through and share that living water that quenches the thirst of the soul. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There are still some folks at the altars. Please. I don't want to shut down fellowship. If you want to talk in fellowship, if you'll do it out in the foyer fellowship hall. But thank you guys. Hope you see you tomorrow night at prayer, 6 o'clock prayer, Monday night prayer. Have a great week. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, 
find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.